the Sunday Sermons Podcast. When I was growing up, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it had already come and gone as a hit song, but it was still sung a lot. There was an old song called If I Had a Hammer. Does anybody remember that one? If you, if you know it, say, sing along with me, just the first part. It goes like this. If I had a hammer, I'd a hammer in the morning, I'd a hammer in the evening, all over this land. I'd hammer out danger, I'd hammer out warning, I'd hammer out love between my brothers and my sisters all over this land. A few of you know that. That was good. That was really great. Isn't that the most brain-dead song you've ever heard in your life? What good is a hammer going to do? I mean, if, if you want to warn somebody, seriously, why, I mean, it'd be scary if somebody comes at you with a hammer, but seriously, a hammer? And if somebody's hammered in the morning and in the evening all over this land, is that really going to actually inspire anybody to do anything? And how in the world is it going to help people love? A hammer? And the second verse is no better. It's a bell. I'm going to ring it in the morning, ring it in the, I'm going to like, stop ringing that bell, dude. What are you doing? That's not inspiring love. I don't know what it's doing, but that's not good. This, this series that we're in the middle of is called Put the Hammer Down. It means something different every single time. Here's what it means this time. If you're using the wrong tool, put it down, okay? Not everything needs a hammer. Are you with me? Sometimes there's a better tool, and God has given us exactly what we need. So if you realize you're using the wrong tool this morning in any direction, any sense that we explore this morning from God's word, I encourage you to put that hammer down and I don't know, maybe pick up a screwdriver or a pen or something else beside the hammer, something that might actually work. Are you with me? That's where we're heading this morning. And I want to say thank you again to my friend Lou who gave me this hammer. This is really cool. Use the right tools. Would you say that out loud with us uh, together? It should be on the screen here in just a second. Let's just say it out loud. Oh, that one's, that one's later on. Let's just say these four words together. Use the right tools. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit empowers all of God's people with some tools. And we've been exploring some of those the last couple weeks even. As some of these things are available to every single one of you. Male, female, any age. If you are a believer in Christ, you have some of these. One of those is the Holy Spirit of God himself. Some of those is the armor that we started exploring last week. And I know you've heard that before I explained it last week. But the armor of God, that's available to all of us. That's for everybody who follows Jesus. And being able to stay in touch with God through prayer. And the gift that it is to be able to get together on a regular basis to rest and to refocus and to remember who we are and who God is and, and what we're about and to worship him for what he's done and what he's doing, what he's about to do. The gift that it is to meet in big groups and small groups. All of those are available to every single one of us. This is all stuff there. But here's the thing. God has also given us individual gifts. The Holy Spirit also gives us some specific gifts that are for specific people. And guess who gets to choose who gets those ones? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to say this again. The Holy Spirit gives each one of us specific gifts. Guess who gets to choose who gets those gifts? Now we're talking, literally, good job. 
The Holy Spirit gets to pick out who gets these. It's not up to us. We don't get to choose. But, but he does expect all of us to work together. Let's explore really quickly a couple of scriptures that walk us through all of these truths. And then we're going to unpack it all together. Second Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us, that's all of us, everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Those, excuse me, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Last week we explored this. I just want to say it one more time. The thing about using God's tools and all of our, instead of ours is this. Ours don't work. Ours make them worse. All the things that we think of ourselves like defensiveness when somebody attacks us is what we talked about last week. It just makes it worse every time. It never actually works. Nobody actually believes you when you're defensive. Maybe you, but not the person you're trying to defend yourself to and not God and not anybody else. It just doesn't work. But the gifts that God gives us, the tools that God gives us actually work. It's not just that they're better. It's they're the only thing that actually gets the job done. Does this make sense? And this is exactly why it's so important for us to not only use these, but to share them with the world. I think it's also important to remember that the gifts that he gives us are very specific. For example, he doesn't give us a hammer to fight with. He gives us a sword, which takes some skill building, takes some time to learn how to use it. It could hurt us. It could hurt ourselves if we're not careful. Are you with me? Do you see the, 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 how this works? And also, it doesn't do any good in, at all unless you're right up close. He didn't give us the spear of the spirit. He doesn't give us the bow and arrow of the spirit. The bow and arrow is the devil shooting us flaming arrows. And our faith just extinguishes them. Right? But we're, everything he's designed for us, everything he's given us, the armor of God and all these other gifts, they're designed for us to fight side by side against a common enemy, which is the devil, not other people. It's, it's designed for us to get up close and personal. The Bible tells us several places, something to the effect that God's word itself, whether it's the printed word or him just speaking to us, it cuts us. It divides the joints and marrow. It gets all the way deeper than deep. It's, it's real and it works in ways that nothing else that we can come up with could ever work. You might have heard this old cliche. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Has anybody ever heard this one? And, and that's true. I remember when I was a kid and I got my first watch. Everybody knew what time it was all the time. It's 11.05. It's 11.06. Everybody needs to know what time it is. And I'm the guy that can tell them because I've got a watch. You know what I'm talking about? And we do this in so many crazy ways. The sad thing is sometimes we even do it here in the church. And the thing that helps you connect with God, the thing that helps me connect the most with God, we expect that to work for everybody else. And the thing is, God does do some things that are for all of us, but he also does some things that are individual and specific. For me personally, worship is one. It's no secret to everybody. I love music and that's just who I am and it always will be. I connect with God through music more easily than anything else ever. That's my favorite thing. That's my, that's my deal. But some of y'all don't even like to sing. 
Some of y'all are just waiting until the music's done so you can sit back down and hear the message or whatever else you're waiting on. And I love every single one of y'all. I don't understand you. <laughs> I don't get that at all. But man, I, I respect you. And I get that we're not all the same. Does that make sense? And God's solution for worship, hear me, this is super important. God's solution for worship in the church is that we all get that worship is actually pledging allegiance to him. That when we're connecting with God, that's the thing. If you can connect with God silently, sitting or kneeling, raising your hands, not raising your hands, singing really loud, not singing, hallelujah. If you're not connecting with God, if you're just standing there with your hands in your pockets, wishing the song was over, that's not okay. But it's also not okay for me to not judge you for not singing really loud because I can't imagine not singing loud if it's worship time. Is this making sense? If we have, if it's... If every, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But I don't know if you've ever worked with wood very much. I, I enjoy doing that. And sometimes you need to cut boards. Hammers don't do very well. You need a saw. Sometimes there's a screw that needs to be tightened or loosened. You can kind of hammer a screw, but it works a lot better if you have a drill driver. Is this, are, you, are you with me? And that's, that's just true. That's how God designed us. He designed us to work together. Let's look at some more of these scriptures and continue to unpack this together. Romans 12, verses 3 to 5 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Notice each one of these things when it says every one of you. That's talking to men and it's talking to women. It's talking to children. It's talking to old people. It's talking to everybody. The Holy Spirit does these things. Are you, everybody's hearing that, right? I want to make sure everybody's hearing that today. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In Ephesians, he writes this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I'm going to pause there for just a quick second. If you haven't noticed, we have been and will continue to visit Ephesians chapter 4 every single time in this series. As we explore so many different things, but we're also touching on God's moral boundaries, where those come from. They always come from us realizing we have to put the hammer down in the sense that we make the final call. God makes the final call. We don't choose what's right or wrong. We don't choose the design. We don't choose what kind of armor to wear, who gets to wear it. Are you with me? That, that's where it all happens every single time. But to live a life worthy of the calling we have received means we live it God's way. And that's what he's describing. And that's part of that is using these tools. Let's keep going. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 7. But to each of us, each of us, 
To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. But at this point, this is where it starts describing some of these other, other gifts. And we're going to just highlight these today. I hope you've heard about them before. We're going to come back to them on another day and really unpack them. But please listen to them today in this context. And if you would, say that out loud with me. God wants to use all his tools. One more time, say it like you mean it. You ready? Here we go. God wants to use all his tools. And that's all of us. All of us who have the stuff he gives to all of us and all of us who are using or willing to use whatever specific gifts the spirit gives to us. And in fact, the the leadership gifts um, one of the things we're exploring more as a staff right now is a thing called APEST. And it's, it's a thing about the leadership gifts, since we, that's where God's put us. But it stands for apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We're going to look at that scripture in just a second. But those gifts are given to equip the rest of the body. They're not given so that we can play a role or have a, have, be employed for the church or to do things for the church so that they don't have to do it. Our job is to empower you to do the stuff God has designed you to do. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to be as transparent as I absolutely can. My goal today is to equip you to use the gifts that God has given you. And there's other gifts that some of us with leadership ability and leadership gifts may or may not have. There's stuff that all of us can do on one level or another, but the Holy Spirit tells us that some people are going to be supernaturally good at some things like encouraging others. There's a gift of encouragement, at giving, at showing mercy, at wisdom, which is choosing the best strategies in any situation, at discerning between different spirits in every sense of that word. There are several miraculous gifts that are in every one of these lists. And depending on what church you go to, where you grew up, you either never heard about those at all, or that's probably almost all you ever heard of. Are you with me? I mean, it's, we go with, that's something that divides us instead of unites us for some reason. But in that list, you have all these miracles. You have healing. You have speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. You have all of these, and you have all of these other gifts. And guess who gets to choose who gets those gifts? Let's, let's try it again. A few of you forgot. <clears throat> who gets to choose who gets the gifts of the Holy Spirit? There you go. And any time that I say, well, every single one of us has to have this gift. You all have to have the supernatural gift of encouragement. Do I have the authority to do that? We, we can't pick any of those and say everybody should have this. It's up to the Holy Spirit. And that, but we should be watching that somebody in this room, somebody in our congregation is going to have those things. Because it's here in the Bible. And God's got purposes for it. Let's keep going. Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of servants. Pastors, by the way, means shepherd. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Then, in fact, I'd like you to read this passage with me, not just my little summaries. I'd like you to read this one. I, it, my, my dream would be we'd all memorize this thing 100%. I've read it in so many versions, I can't quote it 100% myself, but let's try this. Let's read this together. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's read that last sentence one more time. Ready? Together, out loud. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's no just like pieces in the body of Christ. There's no useless stuff. There's no vestigial or whatever they call that kind of stuff in the body of Christ. If you're part of the body of Christ, he has something he wants you to do. And you have the stuff, whether you use it or not, you understand it or not, you notice it or not, you've ever tried to use it or not, you've ever practiced it or not, you've prayed for it or not. You have the stuff that he promises everybody. And you also have something, or at least you're, it's available to you to have something that the Holy Spirit wants to give specifically to you. But every single thing in the toolbox is designed to do something. Hammers are good. If you got to pound something loose, if you got to pound something in, if you've got to pound a nail, it's great. But thank God there's more than just hammers in the toolbox. You've got to figure out what your part is and you've got to do it. Let, let's say this out loud together. Do the job God equipped you to do. Okay, I need you to look at somebody, somebody next to you. Hopefully you're next to somebody you know. If not, just kind of knuckle punch them and say, let's do this anyway. Okay, let's try this. Say this to the person, and it was a big smile on your face. Do the job God equipped you to do. There you go. We can all go home. That's, that's the main thing we're trying to get here today. But here's what that means. It doesn't, it doesn't just mean do something. It means we've got to stop doing a couple things. So can you hear me on this? Listen very carefully. First thing, we've got to stop expecting the same tools to do all the work. You with me? Don't expect that. It's, it's, a, it's a given. It's actually, I know that it's better here most of the time than in most churches. But there's a, there's a just, it's, it's almost universal that about 20% of, the, of any church does 80% of the work and the other 80% do about 20% of the work. Which is exactly why all the work never gets done. Which is exactly why we haven't reached the entire world with the gospel yet. Which is exactly why the entire community doesn't hang on the church whether they believe in Jesus or not because we're meeting all of their needs somehow. Does that make sense? 
We, God needs all of us to use the gifts that he's given us. Stop expecting the same tools to work in every situation. Second thing, we've got to stop. Stop wishing that you had different tools. If you're a hammer, be a hammer. Look for nails. Don't look for screws. Don't look for boards that need cut. Don't look for anything else. Just look for nails. Are you with me? But there's some nails with your name on it. The reason that you're a hammer is because God designed you to be a hammer. Hallelujah. But if you're designed to do something else for crying out loud, put the hammer down. That's not yours. That's not you. It's okay. We need you to do the thing God designed you to do. Stop. Here's the third thing. Stop pretending that God just wants a full toolbox. You with me? That's very tempting to me. The more people in the room, the better. That's really not God's big dream. It's part of it. I think the more people that we get, the better. And the more people we motivate to serve, the better. But that's not just what he wants. He doesn't want us to just show up. He doesn't just go, yeah, look at how full my toolbox is. What he really gets excited about is when every one of those tools gets used and stuff gets done. I hope you guys know I love you. I hope you know that I'm encouraging you. I'm not saying that you guys are failing. I'm not saying that none of us do any of this ever. But do you, hear, do you sense what God is calling us into? Something bigger, something deeper, something better? Imagine if all of us knew exactly who we were and what our gifts were. Every single one of us used it all the time. We could stop doing these things and invest 100% in the things that God designed us to do. Imagine. I'm going to walk through these lists just really quickly. And as I do this time, here's what I want you to do. Just kind of honestly, just let this wash over you. You might even want to close your eyes, but not too much. Don't go to sleep. This, this last part's really important. But I want you to just ask yourself these questions. Do you sense that God is sending you somewhere? Maybe geographically, maybe to a specific person. If so, you might have the gift of apostleship, which means being sent. Do you sense that God is showing you things? He's revealing things to you. Messages for other people or just uh, you're able to unpack the scripture in a way that actually really matters to other people. Maybe you've got the gift of prophecy. Are, are you passionate about sharing the gospel with others? And when you do, somehow or another, it tends to work. Not every time, but it works for you more than it works for other people. You've got the gift of evangelism. It, do you find yourself leading people whether you want to or not? You might have the gift of leadership. Do you love to teach? Do you love to be taught? Is Bible study your thing? That's one of those hammers that we try to solve everything with. I know what we need. We need another Bible study. Man, I love Bible study. And if we ever stop studying the Bible, we, we're done. You with me? But sometimes people need a deck built. Sometimes they just need a hut. And having one more class for them to show up here and do is not always the solution. Sometimes we got to put that hammer down. Not completely, but for a few minutes so we can meet their need. And then invite them to the Bible study. It happens the next day. Are you with me? Here, here, Romans 12, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
All the other gifts are ones like wisdom, knowledge. Uh, Some of them are overlapped, uh, faith and prophecy and some other ones. Some other ones that aren't in every list that are just in 1 Corinthians 12, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, healing. Actually, some of those are on the other ones, but you get my point. I'm trying to get to the story at the end that I just added in. So if I'm talking really fast, forgive me. We were at the marriage retreat, and I'd been praying. I knew that there was something else that this message needed. We were at the marriage retreat, and Tommy Oaks reminded me of the story of King Jehoshaphat. First Chronicles 20. I don't have a slide for it. It's not there. Everybody say First Chronicles 20. One more time, because I want you to read that. If you're a note taker, write it down. First Chronicles 20. Amazing story. Those of you that are on the retreat and you're back here this morning, hallelujah. I'm not going to tell it the same way he told it, but I, I, I just heard God going, yes, that, that's the story. Listen, here's what happened. Three different kingdoms come against Israel. And King Jehoshaphat is the guy who's leading Israel. Actually, technically, it's the kingdom of Judah at the time. They were split into two kingdoms, and the other one's called Israel, but work with me. It's the people of Israel. Everybody follow me so far? Okay, here's what happens. He's alarmed, and he goes to God. I'm going to read it straight out of the Scripture. You won't see it on the, on the screen, but this part's straight out of the Bible. First Chronicles 20. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast to all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. In just a couple of verses, you see some amazing things happening. You see the leader leading. You see them calling a fast, which is something that's available to all of us when we need to focus even more. You see all the people coming together, which is so important that we have to prioritize the coming together as a big group and in small groups. You see that happening. You see everybody coming together to pray together and actually expect an answer from God. And then you see them actually praying. And in this amazing prayer, as he prays, they remind God of his promises. They remind each other of their promises. And then they tell God, hey, there's three armies coming at us. I'm pretty sure you know that. But listen to what he says. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then they do something amazing. They just stand there until God answers. And as you read this story later, for, where is it again? First. Second Chronicles. Okay, let's try it again. Second Chronicles 20. That's okay. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's why we need everybody. I'm the kind of tool that gets numbers wrong all the time. Second Chronicles 20. Let's try this one more time. Here's what happens. Somebody else in the group got the word from God. This guy named Jehaziel. Jehaziel was one of the priests, one of the worship leaders. He was from the tribe or the group called, of the people, the sons of Asaph that wrote a lot of the Psalms we still have. But he wasn't the king and he wasn't really a specific empower priest. Nobody had asked him. But as they're standing there waiting and expecting God to answer, the guy who hears from God is Jehaziel. And they all listen. He says, here's the word of God. He says, God tells them through this guy, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The battle is not yours, but God's. 
And they fell down in worship before God. It's real worship, okay? It doesn't mean that we have to fall down when we worship, but they're not singing. They're not raising their hands. They're not standing with their hands in pockets wishing it was over. They are just 100% submitting before God. That's worship. Everybody with me? Does that sound familiar? And then, after, then here's the really cool thing. Then it says that after consulting the people, after all this, they ask God. And then Jehoshaphat, the king, actually asked everybody else one more time. So what do you think we should do? And together they decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send the worship team out in front of the army. That's what God wants us to do. Sounds insane, but it worked. They send the worship team out in front and they're singing and praising God. And all the other armies just killed each other off. By the time they got to the armies, they were all dead. All they had to do was clean up the mess. And it took three days because it was a really big mess. That's the kind of stuff that happens when we work together. What would have happened if Jehoshaphat would have said, I'm the king, I'm going to tell you what to do. Here's what we're going to do. Do you think he would have thought of sending out the praise team first? Do you think anybody would have followed that even if that was the will of God? No. You know what this looks like? That's the entire toolbox mobilized. That's the entire toolbox doing what they were designed to do. The people that are hearing from God, the prophets are hearing from God, and they're sharing that. The people that are leading are leading. The people that are praying are praying. The people that are singing are singing. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, and the job gets done. Brothers and sisters, this is where we're wrapping up today. My dream and God's dream for this church and for his whole church is this, that we will learn to use the right tools for the right job, which means all of us do the stuff that all of us do. And each one of you use exactly what God designed you to do. If you don't use the armor of God every day, you need to. If you don't really worship when it's time to worship, whatever that means to you, you need to. If you don't ever pray or fast or any other way that you don't, you don't seek God for his will, something is deathly wrong. But you know what else is really deathly wrong? Is if you don't know who you are, what God has made you to be and what he has gifted you specifically to be, and you're not playing that role. We need to ask God that this morning. And whatever step you need to take in that direction, you need to do that. Maybe you never even got in the toolbox in the first place. Maybe you're not one of God's tools yet. This is your chance. Maybe you'd like to be in this drawer of the big toolbox officially for the first time. Maybe there's something you need to repent of or you want prayer for. I don't know what God might be asking you to make public this morning. Make it public if you need to. Obey him. And if not, as we stand, as we sing, 